first uh, first eight verses in which Jesus talked to his his uh, apostles, his disciples, and he gave them the great commission. And we talked pretty much at length last time about that great commission. But one of the things he said to them is, he said, "I'm leaving now. Wait." How many of us like to wait? Right? Oh, it's like going to the doctor, right? We love waiting in the waiting room. You know? So, no, we want when you know, when when God says, "Hey, I I'm, you know, I'm leaving you here. I'm giving you this great task." And then he says, "Wait. Wait for the power the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you. And so they had the task of going back to Jerusalem and waiting. Now, isn't it interesting? He didn't say, wait 10 days when the Passover comes. He didn't tell them how long they had to wait. That would just drive me nuts. Wait until the power comes. Now, the power would come on the day of Pentecost, but they didn't know that. And so they had this, this opportunity to wait. And so today we're going to look at, at a couple of uh, passages here in Acts that, that aren't the big flashy ones. You know, we're not talking about the, the Great Commission. We're not talking about what happened when Peter preaches his first sermon. But we're talking about two very significant events within the body of believers. The first we're going to talk about is the ascension of Jesus. And it has application to us today. Because we're still waiting. Right? So let's turn to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read the verses 9 to 11. Acts 1, 9 to 11. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. <coughs> now I want you to remember the question that the, that the apostles had asked him back in... Uh, Back in verse 6, he said, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know when he's coming back. And so when these guys were standing there looking up, what do you think they were thinking? Oh, he's going to go get his army, and he's going to come back, because they're under the oppression of the Romans. They want to get out of this oppression that the Romans have brought on them. And they're like going, okay, he's coming back. And I want you to understand the scene. Notice it said that 
he was caught up into a cloud. Now, that's kind of important to understand the scene here. Because clouds are kind of a big thing with God. Do you remember back in Genesis when we were talking about the, uh, the Israelites as they wandered, right? And how did God lead them? Why, how? A cloud. He led them with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And he says, when the cloud comes down, you stay. And when the cloud lifts up, you go. And what did the cloud represent? The presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. And so as these guys are standing there looking up, Jesus is caught not up into some cumulus cloud or whatever one of those other kind of clouds are. He's caught up into the cloud of the Shekinah glory of God. And they're looking up going, Woohoo! He's going he's gonna to turn around and he's going to come back with his army. We don't have to wait. But the angels came and they said, sorry guys. But they said something interesting. They said, this, this Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you watched him go into heaven. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about the second coming of Christ. Now a lot of people get that confused with what we call the rapture. The rapture of the church, which we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is when all the when, when Jesus comes, he comes in the clouds and he stays in the clouds. And the, both the living and the dead saints are caught up to greet him in the clouds. He doesn't come back to the earth at that point. We meet him in the clouds. Zachariah, if you remember not too many weeks ago when we were in Zechariah, Zechariah was the one who, who prophesied this. And he said this in Zechariah 4. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. This is exactly where Jesus left from. Which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley. So the half of the mountain will move towards the north and the other half will move towards the south. That is the second coming of Christ. Now when will that happen? That will happen at the end of the tribulation period. God will allow... Israel to go through seven years of tribulation. The earth will be, will be uh, have a number of different judgments cast down on it. But many, many people will come to Christ during that time. And at the end of it, he's going to come back, and it says he comes back as that conquering king. He's going to come back on a white horse. And we're going to be following him. 
on white horses. We will be, he will be coming back as the conquering king and he will establish, establish his throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. He said, guys, listen. You're going to go wait. But one of these days, you're going to see something amazing. <coughs> now remember, one of these gentlemen standing on the mount that day was John, the Apostle John. He would go on to write what? The book of Revelation. And I imagine as, as God is giving him these visions and he's writing them down, his mind went back all of those years to when, when the angel said, you know, he's going to come back. Just as he left. And John writes in, in chapter 19 of Revelation of that wonderful moment when Jesus comes back to, to reign again on the earth. Now luckily, where will we be? We're not gonna we're gonna be in heaven watching all of this go on. But he's gonna bring us with him at the time. What a wonderful thing for them. He said, You guys are gonna wait, but you have something to look forward to. None of them would live to see it. They would all die before this would ever happen. But I don't know. Some of us are gonna we're I, I'm praying, I wanna I wanna go to heaven. I want the rapture to come right in the middle of a church service. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? You know, here we are I, preaching away, and all of a sudden, the, you know, the trumpet sounds, your name gets called right through the ceiling, right? Because we will have glorified bodies at that point, the minute God calls us. Well, he's preparing them. And he says, go wait. So let's look at, the, at cha uh, chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is, Peter and John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These, all with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And I want to stop there. <coughs> They're headed back. Now, yes, last week we talked about who this is written to. It's written to a guy by the name of Theophilus. It's a Greek name. Uh, and later, later he calls him most excellent Theophilus. So probably that's a, that most excellent usually goes. He calls Felix most excellent Felix. He calls Agrippa most excellent Agrippa. So it's, he's most likely some sort of Greek, uh, somebody who's, who's got some rank, some bearing to be called that. 
And so he gives him a very interesting uh, phrase. He said that the Mount of Olivet is a Sabbath day's journey away from Jerusalem. Now, how many of you know how far a Sabbath day journey is? You ready? It is about three-quarters of a mile. Between half and three-quarters of a mile is a Sabbath day's journey. Now, why would Luke, Luke, why would Luke put that in there? Because he's a Greek. Now, next time somebody say, hey, uh, where's the grocery store? Oh, it's about a Sabbath day's journey. Or, or you know, you can, you can use that little bit of knowledge. But he was, or excuse me, Luke is being very specific with Theophilus. He says, the Mount Olivet is about three quarters of a mile from Jerusalem. You go out the east gate, you go down the Kidron Valley, you go up and you come to the Mount of Olivet. So we know where Jesus is coming back, right? We know when that day comes that he steps back into, the, into this world in person. He's going to come back about three quarters of a mile from Jerusalem on the Mount of Olivet. Won't that be cool? You can go, you can go today, you can take your little, uh, your little GPS and you can go walking east and you can probably come pretty close to where Jesus is going to come back. But he tells, he tells him, he says, I want you to know how far it is. But the other thing that I find fascinating is who was there. Because we think about, we see the picture of uh, Jesus at the Last Supper, right? And we have him and the twelve sitting around the table. Well, it says they go back to the upper room where they were staying. Is this the same upper room where they had the Last Supper? It could be. We, it doesn't really tell us. But this upper room is big. Because I want you to look at who all is there. First of all, he tells us the 11. And he names them off. All 11 apostles are left. Judas has gone out. He, he betrayed Jesus and then he killed himself. So there's 11 that, that he talks about. And then he says, they were, they were with one mind, were continually devoting themselves in prayer, along with the women. Now, I, the women, now who are the women? Well, throughout the scriptures, you'll see several times that they talk about the women. <coughs> they were the ones that were following Jesus. In, in Luke 24, he tells us that the, the women are Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and then Mark mentions Salome. Or Salome, however you want to pronounce it. These are women that had followed Jesus all through his ministry. They are now there in the upper room. And then the next one he tells us is Mary, the mother of Jesus. This will be the last time Mary is mentioned 
in the gospel or in the in the scriptures. We will never hear from her again. She's in the upper room. And there's a lot of there's a lot of extra biblical things about where where did she die, where where is she buried? Uh, but you'll never hear Mary again. Why? Her job is done. She has raised Jesus. Just as we didn't, we didn't hear any more about Joseph, his father, their job is done. We don't worship her. We don't pray to her. So her job was to bring Jesus into this world. And she had the privilege of walking through his ministry. She had the privilege of seeing him as the resurrected Lord. But now her job is done. But she's named as being in the upper room. The other one that I find very interesting with his brothers. Now the reason I find that interesting is what we discovered back in the book of John. Look at John John chapter 7. Now remember, this is not very far into the gospel of John. John chapter 7. Because John spends the majority of his time in the last week of Jesus' life. But in John chapter 7, Jesus is getting ready to go back to Jerusalem. And, and John records this interaction with him and his brothers. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booze, was near. Therefore his brother said to him, <coughs> excuse me, leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. They didn't believe. They were goading him on. Go! If you want to, if you are, if you're the son of God, let the world see you do all these miracles. <clears throat> they did not believe in Jesus. Until when? The resurrection. The resurrection meant everything. Because that was the proof that what? He was the Son of God. He was exactly who he said he was. You know, it kind of reminds me of a kid by the name of Joseph. Had the dream. In my dream, I saw all of you bowing down before me. What did they do to him? Well, they tried to kill him, threw him in a pit, and then sold him off as a, as a slave. Same thing. The brothers did not believe in Jesus until the resurrection. But yet here's all four, at least four, that, that are named in the Gospels. At least four of his half-brothers were there with him. James will go on to be what? 
He will be the leader of the church of Jerusalem. And he will write the book of James. His brother Jude will go on to write the book of Jude. These men will become very important in the church. But they didn't believe until the resurrection. If, if you'd look at anything else, look at what happened here. And then he says in verse 15 of Acts chapter 1 that there were 120 in that upper room. Now that's saying a lot for somebody who the Romans had sentenced to death. Because just being associated with him would be a problem. Matter of fact, even the Jewish people had a problem, so much so that they sent sick Paul on them to go out and arrest them. But here they are, 120 in the upper room. And it says they were praying together. But Peter, he, he steps up and he knows that there's a problem that they need to take care of. So let's read, uh, read on in Acts, and we're going to do 15 through 26. 15 to 26. That's what happens when you let your mark place get out of place there. 15 to 26. And at this time Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together. And he said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open the middle of his intestines, gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that their own language, the field, was called Hakladamah. That is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of the Psalms, let his homestead be made desolate and no, let no one dwell in it and let another man take his office. Therefore, it is necessary that of men who have been accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, which show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. <coughs> so this passage, some people have a hard time with. Because they look at it, 
And there's two problems. One is, wait a second. In Matthew chapter 27, it says that Judas did what? He went out and hung himself. The other is, was Messiah really the, the, the 12th apostle? Because later on, Paul says, well, I was an apostle born at a time. So I want to look at those two real quickly. And I want you to, to turn over in your Bibles to Matthew 27. And I want you to see the description that Matthew gives. Matthew 27. And I'm going to put my marker in place this time. In Matthew 27... He's going he's gonna to talk to us about Judas betraying, or Judas, what happened after he betrayed Jesus. Matthew 27, 1 to 10. Now, when the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and they led him away, delivering him to Pilate, the governor. Then, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they say, what does this have to do with us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed. And he went away and he hanged himself. And the chief priests took the pieces of silver and said, it is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it is the price of blood. And they conferred together and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. And for this reason the field has been called this day the field of blood to this day. And then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's house as the Lord directed me. Well, wait a second. Is that, is that different from what we read in Acts? So the question I want you to ask yourself, is the passage contradictory or is it complementary? Does it complement what Matthew said. Well, let's look at that real quickly. Judas comes to the temple. All the priests, the, the chief priests, the ones who had bought him off in the first place, and it says he has remorse. He doesn't have repentance. He has remorse. He's sorry for what he did. And he takes the, the money and he throws it into the temple. And then it says he went out and hanged himself. His actions were impulsive. Now, one of the things that Mike might talk about is some of the signs of suicide. And somebody, somebody quite often that, that is contemplating suicide may go out and get the tools that they need to, to complete their suicide. That's one of the, one of the things you really want to look at is, this, is somebody made a plan but he didn't have a plan. His was impulsive. 
And it says, so he went out and he hung himself. Now, what did he hang himself with? Well, he probably didn't go down to Ace Hardware and buy, you know, really nice half-inch rope so that, no. They had a long sash that they would wear around their waist to hold their garment clothes. The likelihood is, as he went out, he most likely, from what, the, what we hear in both places, he went out to the potter's field because it was a desolate place. It's a place where they had, they had stripped all of the dirt away. Just an empty field with, with possibly a tree overhanging. Puts his loop around the tree, puts it around his neck, and hung himself. I believe it's complimentary because what happened after he hung himself? The, the, he died, absolutely. But the branch broke or, the, or the, the sash broke. He falls down. And, and it says in Acts that his, his intestines gushed out. Very, very much complementary to what Matthew says. Because remember, Luke, Luke says, I want to give you the whole story. And Luke is what? A doctor. I mean, this is, this is almost clinical. He's giving the, the, uh, the autopsy report. How did he die? Well, the other part of this passage that you have to scratch your head about, it says that he, now it says in verse 18, it says, now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. But what, do we, what happened with the money? It ended up back at the temple. They bought the lot. But it couldn't be temple money. They said, what? It's, it's blood money. So whose money was it? It was always Judas' money because he had betrayed Jesus with it. So whose name did they put the lot in? This is Judas' money. He bought the lot because they could not be seen as using this money. It was blood money. So they acquired the lot in his name. I believe that the Acts chapter 1 is absolutely complementary to Matthew chapter 27. So somebody says, oh, well, there's this contradiction in the Bible. It's how you look at it. You have to understand how people are writing. That absolutely would have been the way it could have occurred. So it's not that, that the book of Acts is contradicting what Matthew had to say. It's complimenting. It's giving that greater story. Because Theophilus, very likely, John, or excuse me, uh, Luke, most likely wrote after Matthew. So it's very possible that Theophilus may have had a copy of Matthew and read it. We don't know, but, but he's giving this complimentary, this, this more explanation to what occurred. Well, in this passage, Peter goes on and he talks about two different psalms that are, that are fulfilled. The first one is Psalm 69, 25. May their camp be desolate and may none dwell in their tents. And he quotes that as being fulfilled by the fact that, that Judas 
is, is buried in the potter's field. The, his camp is desolate. The only people that will be, uh, be anywhere near that are people that, are, that die that have no one to claim them. And the second one he quotes is Psalms 119.8. Let another take his office. He says, David told us that we were to do this. Now, nowhere do you see anybody standing up and say, I object. You know, this is not, we shouldn't be doing this. And, and he, then they go on to say, he gives two qualifications for the office. He says the first, the, the two qualifications, number one, he says in verse 22, well, let's go to 21, therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. First qualification. Couldn't be a newbie. He had to be somebody who followed Jesus all the time from his beginning of his ministry until, the, until just a, a few days ago or a few hours ago. We don't know when this took place. But he says they had to be with us that whole time. Second qualification. He said one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection they had to have been a witness to the resurrection of Jesus two qualifications 120 people in the room there was only two that met the qualifications two men met the qualifications one was was Matthias and the other he they call him by a couple names they call him by Joseph called Barsabas so that would literally in the Greek would be, or excuse me, in Hebrew would be Joseph, the son of Sabias. But they called him Justice. So here you have these two men. They have the qualifications to be an apostle. Now, you know, some people say, well, you know, we really believe that Paul was the 12th apostle. It couldn't have been Matthias because you never hear anything about Matthias other than this one time. Right? Well, okay. What do you, what do you read in the Bible about Bartholomew? Right? Thomas. Alf, James, the son of Alphaeus. You don't hear about these other ones either. So it's not really a very valid. I, wanted, I would say, I'm going to give you a, a, an argument, so to speak, that they did the right thing. And it's very, very quickly. Number one, they were acting under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now you say, well, wait a second. They haven't been baptized with the Spirit yet. Remember in John chapter 20 when they were all together, the 11 were together, Jesus said to them, and when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The 11 had already been blessed with the Holy Spirit by 
the anointing of Jesus. Now, had they been filled with the Holy Spirit? No, that's going to be a couple days yet. They're not going to preach on, that, on the day of Pentecost yet. But Jesus had told them, receive the Holy Spirit. Second, they were all in agreement. Nobody raised an argument. Nope, not these two. They put them forward, and then, notice what they said, and they prayed, and they said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. They, they say, you choose. This is not, I put in here, an election, as many people think. They didn't vote on it. Isn't that awesome? They didn't vote on it. They said, Jesus, you vote. They're going to cast lots. They're going to flip a coin. Now, if Jesus didn't want that to be, what, would, what could he have done? Stop the coin in midair. If it never falls... Right? Make it land on its edge. I don't pick either one. But it said the lot went to Matthias. And then I want you to look at verse 26. In verse 26, it says, And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. They all accepted Matthias as being the 12th apostle. I would say they did exactly what God told them to do. Nowhere do you see God reprimanding them. Nowhere do you see the Holy Spirit saying, ah, you guys are down the wrong track. The bottom line is, we're not going to know till we get to heaven. And you know how we're going to know when we get to heaven? Because Revelation chapter 21 tells us something very interesting. And the wall of the city, heaven, has had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So when you get to heaven, you look up there and see whether it says Matthias or Paul. <coughs> well, we're going we're gonna to end because I don't want to start the sermon uh, of Peter yet. We're going to end right there. And, and I want you to understand that sometimes you know, in Scripture we look and we say, okay, God, sometimes God tells us to wait, and we have to wait. And sometimes God just says, okay, you need to move forward. Find the two guys, let's, offering them up to me. I will tell you which one to choose. We have to rely on the Lord to tell us, you know what? You're doing good. You're moving forward. Even, even in the midst of that waiting time, Peter says, you know, we've got a job to do. Sometimes God says to wait. And that doesn't mean we stop everything. When we wait, what do we do? We take time to contemplate God, what do you have for us? What do you want to do? We're still going to move forward. We're still going to do your job. We're going to continue to go. 
but God solidifies in our hearts what he has for us.